as somebody when I was younger, I actually didn't do well in school when I was in the young my younger years. And um, to hear that from a kid to gain confidence in themselves, they'll go back to the classroom. It'll make a difference. Welcome to Learning Unboxed, a conversation about teaching, learning, and the future of work. This is Annalise Corbin, Chief Goddess of the Past Foundation and your host. We hear frequently that the global education system is broken. In fact, we spend billions of dollars trying to fix something that's actually not broken at all, but rather irrelevant. It's obsolete. A hundred years ago, it functioned fine. So let's talk about how we reimagine, rethink, and redesign our educational system. So for today's episode, we have the opportunity to go back outside. Specifically, we're headed to the Pacific Northwest, and we're going to be talking about a place, a program, and a, I believe a whole ecosystem that is uh, embodied under the, the heading of, of something called Island Wood, which is an environmental education nonprofit um, that believes that there are many paths to creating a more sustainable and equitable world, which is why they offer a variety of immersive programs throughout the Seattle region to help children, educators, and community members deepen their understanding of the world around them. They explore important environmental issues and see the power that they have to make positive impact in local communities and in the planet, or on the planet, I should say. Maybe in the planet, too. We'll get into that in just a minute. <laughs> and joining us to share the amazing work of Island Wood is Megan Karsh, who is the CEO of Island Wood since 2018. So, Megan, welcome to the program. Thank you. Thank you for having me. We're very excited to have you. Um, you know, as our listeners know, we we do a lot about environmental and outdoor education, and firmly, firmly believe um, at the Past Foundation, certainly on this program, that getting kids outside, hands on, in the muck, in the world, um, is one of the best opportunities that we can give kids uh, to learn stuff. So, give us the sort of hundred foot view, if you will, first and foremost about um, you know Island Wood and. That, because it is, it, it's not just a program, it's a place and it's an experience and it's, it's in one of the most beautiful places in the world, quite frankly. So share with us just a little bit about the sort of high level, about what this thing is and why it came to be. Yeah, well, thank you. Thank you for having me. And um, we agree. We think the Pacific Northwest is a fabulous place. And um, Islandwood is really designed to inspire the next generation of environmental stewards and, and really the, inspire the next generation of uh, individuals that will make a difference in this world. And we do that through the outdoors. We do that through education. And, you know, uh, Islandwood is at the nexus of what I would call uh, education, environment, and social justice. At the nexus of those three is really where our work shines. And what we do is we provide experiences for youth so that they we want to provide them that sense of curiosity, sense of discovery, take what they're learning in the classroom and make it real for them and the world that they live in. And then what we want to do is we want to walk beside teachers and partner with teachers and educators and really give them the tools that they need to take what kids are learning in the classroom and make it real for them in the worlds that they live in. So it's really through two ways. One is providing the experiences for youth. And the second is we think we can have a very ex uh, exponential impact if we're working with educators because those educators are the ones that really have the time and that are working with kids all year and are we believe we have a much greater exponential impact in that way. 
Yeah. So we, that's at a high level kind of what we do. Yeah. Um, and we totally agree with you about that, that work as it relates to those teachers. So absolutely. Yeah. And teachers, as we all know, especially right now, but mm-hmm. they always, it, they have one of the hardest jobs. They have one of the most important jobs. And especially in the last two years, um, I, I think they need more partners than ever. Yeah, I, I agree. Absolutely. You know, one of the things that I alluded to um, early in, in the, our conversation here was that that Iron, Islandwood is not just a program, but it's also a place. So let's mm-hmm. dig in just a little bit to the place because place matters. We know that place matters, but we don't all have an Islandwood. But but let's start there anyway and recognize that that there there, there is a, a place that also contributes to the bigger, broader work that you do in the community. So share with our listeners just a little bit about that because uh, the pictures are absolutely amazing. And I swear one of these days I am going to come and pay you an actual oh, visit. Yes. Well, please, please do because it is an amazing place. Mm-hmm. We think about place in two ways. One is for sure the campus that we are on. We have mm-hmm. a, our main campus is on an area called Bainbridge Island. It's 255 acre campus. It was going to go up for development a little over 20 years ago. It was, it's actually an old lumber mill that was here uh, for very many years and was actually saved for the purpose of exactly what we're doing now, which is to inspire the next generation of environmental stewards. So our main campus is here on the, on the, on Bainbridge Island. We also have a campus over in the Woodenville area that's part of King County, mm-hmm. uh, which is a little bit different, uh, but it, where we provide day programs. But then what I would say about place is place is central to our teaching, but place is where you are. Right. So uh, what we teach about is, okay, well, let's talk about the history of where we are now here on this campus, this 255 acre campus, who was here first, what was mm-hmm. the culture, who was here throughout. Mm-hmm. But then we think about place in terms of, well, where are kids living? Where are they going to school? Where are they playing? And are what we teach is really about place where kids are. We believe right. nature is not only on our gorgeous campus or up in the mountains, but nature and science is everywhere. And what's really critical is to teach kids, hey, what you're experiencing here on this campus, you also can take some of these things to where you live, where you go to school and where you play. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And that's the key component. And I think here is just to helping everybody understand that no matter where you are, you can actually do some amazing work around environmental and outdoor uh, education. Um, And it's Mm -hmm. not just education that's about the outdoors or the environment. That's the other thing that I was really intrigued by about Islandwood. And that's where that sort of that nexus that you mentioned with the social justice piece, I was super, super excited uh, to see that. So share a little bit more with our listeners about that, because I do believe that that is a a key component that uh, other places are um, anxious and willing and open to figuring out how to bring into their own work. So how, how is it that, that Islandwood thinks about that? Well, so what I would say is it's critical to our work. And what I would also say is we're consistently on a journey of learning. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so the work is, is critically important for a number of reasons. We, first, if you think about it, we're never going to inspire the next generation of environmental stewards, the next generation of problem solvers, the next generation of those who are going, going to change the world without actually putting social justice Mm -hmm. at the center. Mm -hmm. And so uh, for us, that has been a critical part of our work. But we also, if you look at the history of the environmental field, it's, and we as an organization, we are historically Mm white-led. The environmental field overall has has been historically Mm white-led 
which also has not great history in it. Right. And it's important for us to take a look at it, understand it, and see how we can bring everybody in, in particular, really looking at racial equity at the center. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, and so it's why it, it's critical to our, our work. It's critical to our teaching. And we look at it in all aspects from what we're doing in our organization to mm-hmm. create system change, mm-hmm. but also then what does that look like in the curriculum we teach? How are we involving the communities we serve? Um, what changes are we making mm-hmm. um, at the nexus of, as I mentioned, environment education? Yeah, absolutely. I'd love that. Can you give our listeners an example, a concrete example of the way that you've you've incorporated that entire philosophy into an actual lesson or activity or experience? Yeah, so we'll start with one example. So we have a, um, as part of our program, we have a graduate uh, program. So mm-hmm. we both we do both in-service teaching and pre-service teaching. So we work with pre-educators, uh, mm-hmm. getting them ready to teach. And then we also work with teachers in the classroom. We, um, in our uh, graduate program in particular, uh, we center social justice as a part of the environmental uh, learning program uh, that they're going through. And so in every single piece of the curriculum, Mm -hmm. you're interweaving it. So it's not kind of this one subject on its own. It's helping our educators think about what's their, where do they come from? Mm -hmm. What do they, where, how do they understand more about themselves? So when they're thinking about their teaching practices, and when they're thinking about the curriculum, that it, it that they're coming at that, that they have a full understanding of their own history and their own thinking and where they came from. And that, as they do that, they can become better at um, really putting racial equity at the center. So um, the examples I would put is our curriculum has shifted tremendously in the last five years, especially. Um, and has really, we've looked at every single part of the curriculum when uh, somebody's coming to our master's program mm-hmm. of how we're doing that teaching and how are we teaching them as educators uh, to think about uh, their own identities as mm-hmm. they're teaching uh, would be one example. Uh, we're involved in a research uh, program in partnership with the University of Rochester and the University of Connecticut. And over the next two years, we're actually going to use our graduate program as a place to kind of um, learn and iterate on on these various pieces of, of identity, uh, mm-hmm. teaching educators of more about their own identities so that we actually are, how are we shifting and changing the tools, the practices, and how we teach. Mm-hmm. And so what we'll do over the next two years as an example, uh, because our graduate program is set up working in partnership with our experiences program mm-hmm. every week, our graduates are teaching new students. And so they teach a number of classes all year long and they can always iterate and change and iterate and change and iterate and change. So that would be one example over the next two years that we're working. And but I, really, I would say over the, yeah. Oh no, go ahead. Yeah. No, I, well, I, I would just say that over the last five years, we've looked at all aspects of our curriculum. And what I would say is it's still not good enough. Mm-hmm. We're, we're always going to have to shift and change and learn. Mm-hmm as a learning organization and as an organization that we know we don't have all the answers. Yeah, We're not I've, even close to having them all. Exactly. And I, and I love that because, you know, the, the world is changing. It's not static, right? So we have right. to, and, and, you know, anytime you encounter a program, a school, 
you know, uh, uh, take your pick how you want to put labels you want to put on it. And if they tell you, well, we've got this figured out, you know, that's those are those alarm bells, right? Because the reality is the world is changing every second mm-hmm. of every moment and every day. And we have to be willing and open to recognizing that what we're doing, even if it's awesome, wonderful, and great, you know, tomorrow we might need to be able to tweak it, modify it just to fit whatever is happening in the moment uh, in the world. And that's certainly one of the things that we advocate for um, very much. So I, I love that aspect. I also want to just, you know, uh, dig in just a little bit more because mm-hmm. I love the way that you've crafted this opportunity uh, as, as a graduate program. So it's not just that you're working with teachers, it's not just that you're working in the community, you're working with kids, but you're actually utilizing this the, the collective set of assets and resources that you have tied to Islandwood, uh, you know, to to have a, a truly impactful um, moment, I guess, if you will, on those that next generation or iteration of teachers looking to sort of expand their practice. So share with us, I is assume that this is um, embedded program, if you will, in partnership with a post-secondary that would already existed. So you, Islandwood, didn't go through, but I could be wrong, because every once in a while I encounter programs like this, they go through the entire accreditation program themselves, which is an epic yeah. lift. So so share with our listeners just a little bit about how you structured the graduate program component, because I know there's a lot of interest about this out in the world. And then the the follow-up question to that, so I'll just roll them all into one so that you can tackle it is mm-hmm. folks are going to be listening and saying, hey, I want to do that, but I don't live there. Is it possible? Because I always get yeah. that question follow-up as well. Well, th- great question. So uh, no, we didn't go get our accreditation. What we do is we partner, mm-hmm. our partner is the University of Washington. Mm-hmm. So um, what happens is our graduate students come to get their master's in education. We provide 10 months of that, and then they finish that up at the University of Washington. Mm-hmm. So it's in um, true collaboration and partnership with the University of Washington. They come to our campus first. Mm-hmm. So what happens is they come to our campus and they live here for 10 months. Uh, wow. We have a graduate campus here on our uh, on our campus uh, that they live on the campus. They live in their own units. Uh, and they spend 10 months with us where we have faculty that are teaching classes, mm-hmm. and then they are getting a practicum learning experience. Mm-hmm. So they are learning how to teach, and then they're going literally out into the fields mm-hmm. with classes that are coming onto our campus, practicing what they've learned, and then at the end of the week saying, okay, what worked, what didn't work, right. and okay, what's going to be the learning plan the next time you're back out there? Mm-hmm. What can you learn that you can take back out? And what we love about it is it takes theory to practice. Uh, and then it, and then, it, and it's a constant, it's mm-hmm. not theory for 12 months and then practice. Mm-hmm. It's theory, practice, theory, practice, theory, practice. So you can constantly iterate and constantly learn as a future educator. And so that's how it's set up. And so um, graduates come, we typically, so this year we have 32 graduates on our campus. Um, they live with us and then uh, they uh, will go over to the University of Washington to finish their degree. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and and then they can choose, are they going to go into the classroom, into the formal classroom, or are they going to go into the informal classroom? Yeah. Uh, and we believe in both. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, what an amazing program. I mean, you know, I'm super jealous. If I were back out there hunting for graduate programs to go to, you know, that would be with one of the, it's the top of my list. You know, to be able to live on Bainbridge for for ten months to be completely immersed in something pretty, that you yeah. love and you're studying, I can't imagine a better way to be able to do that. That's fabulous. And again, I'm super jealous. <laughs> 
Well, thanks. I, I, uh, if it, I would have come uh, in my mm-hmm. earlier years as well, it's a, it's a, it's a great experience. It's a, it's a strong community experience. Yeah, I would imagine. Uh, yeah, yeah, they're close now. I would imagine. All right. So now that we understand how that piece of your ecosystem works, so share with us a little bit about the specific work that you're doing, um, or 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 the experience that a student may have when they come that come either you know individual or come through their their, their school and school led groups. And and I'm really really curious about not just the activities or the experience individual students have, but either the pre or the post sort of follow up experience or the ways the extensions that teachers hopefully right that that's part of what they're gaining there that they take back into um, sort of the everyday experience for their students. What does that look like? Sure. Well, uh, we work with students and schools in what I would call two different ways. Mm-hmm. One is uh, having schools and students come and spend about a week with us here on campus. The other is we go to them and we go to their schoolyards. And uh, and so there's two different experiences that they can receive. Uh, and then and then another is kind of a day program out at our, our other facility. Mm-hmm. And they're all here's where they're all similar. They're all similar in that uh, we're first talking to teachers about what are they learning in their classes to make sure that our curriculum is aligned to what mm-hmm. they're learning and when they're learning it, mm-hmm. so that we can take the concepts that they're learning and make them real and make them real to the world that they're in. Uh, and so that work happens with uh, both our graduate students and our staff reaching out to the schools, connecting with the teachers, connecting with them on the timing, when they're coming, and how do we align the curriculum to Mm -hmm. to work. So whether they're coming for four days, whether they're coming for a day, or whether we're going to their schoolyard, the whole point is to not to have a one-off experience, Mm -hmm. but to completely tie it into what they're learning in the classroom so that the classroom comes alive for them. So that's that's that piece. And then if they're coming for our four-day program, um, it really is very intentional to create an experience that feels magical. Mm-hmm. I mean, I remember once um, when I first arrived, I said, this is magical. And a staff member said, Megan, there is nothing magical about what we do. We're scientists. And I said, <laughs> okay, yeah, I totally get that. And... We do things with such intention. The point is to create that feeling of Mm -hmm, magic. mm -hmm. And the point is to create that sense of wonder, that sense of discovery. And so what will happen in those four days, and it's from everything from literally when they get off the bus, we have planned the campus so that the kids walk through the woods and they don't see one building before they Mm -hmm. see their lodge. And it was very intentional. Yeah. Every single building and every single thing that was built was done through the eyes of a child. And so the lodge itself uh, was built with uh, input from kids. Mm -hmm. Uh, Every single bed has a window looking right out to the woods. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, And so, and I give you that kind of detail Mm -hmm. because that intention is really critical to the uh, to the curriculum then that our graduate students are working on with the kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, it, it's everything from teaching about science and teaching about nature to teaching about culture to teaching mm-hmm. about place to teaching about uh, how do you work together as a team and collaboratively and how do you take in different viewpoints and, and different opinions, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Excellent. I just I love everything about it. Can you give us can you give us an example of some specific lessons or activities? 
Because I, I, I know that, that we, we, in addition to a lot of teachers and administrators that listen to the program, we have a lot of community members as well. And I always love to sort of plant some seeds about how they can think about the assets they have in their community and what yeah. they could go out and say, hey, I can't do this, but I just heard Megan talking about this. And we have this partner over here that I know does X. Maybe I could convince them to partner with us so we could do something creative. Yeah, well, I'll give you the one that kind of the lesson that kind of goes through all of our all of our curriculum, which is really taking the the science concepts of what's your hypothesis, mm-hmm. what is the evidence, how good is your evidence, coming back to it, and really walking through walking through students walking students through that, and then giving them a, a very specific task. Mm-hmm for that. So if they're on our campus, it may be, what's your hypothesis about why those leaves are green? Or what's your hypothesis about why X, Y, or or Z is Mm -hmm. happening? Oh, you just talked about that on the trail. Let's talk about the hypothesis, the evidence, the quality of the evidence. And so we will take what they're learning in class and just make it real for them. Mm-hmm. Now, in the it, when we're in schoolyards, what we're doing is taking concepts around engineering mm-hmm. uh, and around real problems that are happening. So, for example, let's talk about wastewater mm-hmm. or stormwater. Uh, let's talk stormwater. Yeah. Stormwater. Uh, what we do is our, we have already built out, we have all of the surrounding um, demographics in their neighborhood. We know where all the pipes are, the drains are, et cetera. We bring them all to the class. They solve a real problem about a puddle or they mm-hmm. solve a real problem about something in their in their play yard. And what you're doing is you're taking the concepts that they're learning in school, but then making it real for them. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, wow, we could actually solve that. or we build a help them build a rain garden, and what has it? What is it solving in their neighborhood? Um, so there are a variety of different curriculums, and some of the curriculums are teaching the our teachers, our educators, really partnering them, giving them curriculum so that they're doing it with their mm-hmm. kids. And some of it is we're literally going into the schoolyards and doing it with their kids. Yeah, absolutely. That's spectacular. And I can imagine that that has really, really broad appeal um, when you think about the different sort of uh, school environments that you could possibly go into and how different they look and how very, very tailored you could you could absolutely make that. I love that. Um, I would imagine that when you went to Islandwood, you there were a few surprises to you beyond the fact that apparently science can't be magical. Although I'm going <laughs> to vote with you, Megan, because I believe science is nothing but magical, but we're probably <laughs> biased. But I am very, very curious about the, you know, as you first sort of immersed yourself there, what were some of the things that surprised you? Um, you know, with, from that sort of educator sort of standpoint um, that you saw happening there? Because the, the true magic, I suspect, uh, of the place is watching the kids just go, oh my gosh, right? Yeah. It, well, I, you know, let's see. Was it a surprise or was it just kind of a, wow, I, this is even more exciting than I even realized? I think that that happened for me. But, mm-hmm. that when I first arrived, um, I wanted to immerse myself in the programs to really see through the eyes of the kids. And uh, especially on our overnight program, I remember, you know, you know how staff kind of say, hey, I want you to go here, 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 yeah. and here. And I said, well, that's great. But actually, I'd like to participate from the day they get off the bus to the day they get back on the bus yeah, uh, all the way through. I want to see it through the eyes of the kids. And I think, um, I don't know if it was a surprise as much as it was just... Um, validation for myself about the importance of the work mm-hmm. is to watch the kids. So I had, there, there was one kid in particular, 
I remember when he got off the bus and he got off the bus and he was a little grumbling. He was like, yeah, you know, uh, uh, and he had to carry a sleeping bag and he had to carry this cart and it was through the woods. And I was walking beside him and there was a little bit of complaints. And, and then I, I happened to be on the trails with him often. And, um, and the first day eh, he was kind of participating, not really, but he really was not happy. He was like, my mom made me come. My teachers made me come. At the end of the program, he, we have a part of the program at the end, which is a closing program around the fire. It's very, it's a, it's a really amazing experience. Um, and the kids put on skits, but the skits have a lot to do with what they've learned through the week. Mm -hmm. This kid put on a song talking about the impact it made for him and how he hopes he can come back and how he, I mean, it, and it went the talent mm -hmm. and the lessons that he learned. And what I saw was just the shift yeah. and it's not just him. I mean, I see it, I, I see mm -hmm. it in so many kids, but to see that shift where, uh, where you see the, the, I'm not sure why I'm here to not only I see why I'm here, but, uh, I remember I listened to one kid who, who I happened to be sitting at the pond and they were walking by and they said, um, you know, in the classroom, I don't feel smart here. I feel smart. Wow. And that, that to me is uh -huh. where it's like, okay, that's that as, as somebody, when I was younger, I actually didn't do well in school when I was mm -hmm. in the young, my younger years. And, um, to hear that from a kid to gain confidence in themselves, they'll go back to the classroom. It'll make a difference. It will make a difference. And those are the, in fact, I would argue, cause I've had those similar experiences with kids and that is when you know the power mm -hmm. of what's happening. And I, and that's mm -hmm. the magic, right? You know, yeah. and, and I don't know about you, but and certainly in our programs at PASS, we have kids very much the same that your story, I, I could so identify with it because I've, I've, I've been with those kids that show up the first day. My mom made me come. My teacher made me come, you know, whatever. And then by the time you get to the end of the week, not only are they fully immersed, but they're somehow leading. They've, they've emerged mm -hmm. from whatever their shell happens to be. And the other thing that we find about programs like this, and I assume that you see the same thing, is you know, there are a fair number of kids who are not that, that, um, you know, that traditional sort of learner, mm -hmm. and they don't excel in a traditional setting. And the minute you put them in someplace else that they do find their way, and it's an incredible experience for everybody involved. And we have kids that um, who are hesitant at the beginning who then will sign themselves up for the next week or the next yeah. program, right? And then, you know, their parents will show up, guess what? I signed up for next week, you know? And yeah. you can imagine what those those internal conversations are like, but it's a fabulous problem to have because that mm -hmm. kid is so engaged and you've changed that life, Megan, forever. That's, I, I, would, I would think it's, that's the magic. It, it's, it is those moments that make yeah. a difference. And, and you had asked earlier about kind of the pre and the post. Mm -hmm. We do do, I mean, as I mentioned, we do a lot with the teachers ahead of yeah. time. We then actually ask the teachers and the kids right when they're ending, but then we ask three months later and six months later. Because what oh, we want to know is, mm -hmm. okay, that feel good of uh, that, you know, that we, it, how much wears off and how yeah. much actually sticks with them. Um, and that, that's important to us. Um, but I will say, you know, it, it, at the anecdotally, that's it. We hear often from people years after mm -hmm. they've been here, uh, what they felt. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and it, it's that feeling that makes the difference, I think, in their learning in the future is if you can create that sense of confidence.
Oh, I completely agree with you. And I, and I, I, I think that, you know, all the science in the world and the data, uh, I, you know, and it does in fact back that up, but intuitively, you know it because you can feel it in the moment. And again, when you have those conversations with those kiddos years later, um, it is incredibly meaningful. And every once in a while, I'll bump up against a, you know, a kiddo that we had in the program early. They're, they're now, um, they've, they've all graduated. They've gone to college. Many of them are, you know, in jobs. And, and every once in a while, I hear them talking about or something will pop up in social media and they'll respond to it. Oh my gosh, I remember doing X, Y, or Z. And it was so mm -hmm. amazing, you know, many, many years later because it, it does stick with them and that's fabulous. You know, I always like to close the program recognizing that people are listening sort of, you know, from all over the world with a, a whole collective set of different experiences. And, you know, um, so what what is next? What What is Islandwood's next thing or something that you're getting excited about um, in terms of the work that you're doing that, you you know, one last thing you'd like to share with the world? Sure. Well, what we're really excited about is um, how do we provide access to more uh, individuals, more kids, mm -hmm. and more educators. In particular, you know, while the pandemic was e extremely hard on our organization as well as everybody throughout the world, um, my philosophy has been: don't let a crisis go to waste. And I think mm -hmm. we've learned a ton. And what we've learned is we can provide uh, access to educators that are farther away from us. We can do it virtually. Um, you know, yes, we believe in the outdoors, we believe in the experiences, but you can actually provide tools and practices. Mm -hmm. And that is something with it that we really tested during the pandemic and plan on um, expanding and really getting out to uh, areas where, where um, kids are not getting or not getting those resources and educators are not getting those mm -hmm. resources. Mm -hmm. So how it, so we're really that's one of the biggest pieces. Uh, and, the, and then to, to couple that is really our work on advocacy and making sure that every kid before they graduate has this experience, every single child. And so we've been working on that in Washington State and uh, we'll be working on that nationally. Now, that's a fabulous uh, uh, endeavor and I wish you nothing but great success with that because I would agree with you. It's incredibly important and um, transform transformative, um, you know, yeah. both for, for students, for their families and for communities. And at the end of the day, I get this question all the time as an archaeologist. You know, what, what, you know, are you in the business of creating a bunch of archaeologists? And the answer is no. What, what I am in the business is creating, you know, an entire generation of stewards, right? And and if we if we immerse folks in the opportunity to understand what 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 that is, what the science of this particular thing happens to be, they will be advocates for their lifetimes. And that's the thing we need as much as anything else. So that's right, absolutely. Yeah. If we can create a, a strong sense of curiosity, a strong mm -hmm. sense of discovery, uh, a strong sense of action, we will create environmental stewards for the future. We will. And we're in desperate need of them. Um, you know, as yes, we, 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 we stand back and look what's happening, um, you know, to our planet, the moment is here more than, than ever before. So I would agree with uh, that. Uh, absolutely. So Megan, thank you so very much for making time um, to have a conversation with us to share um, the amazing work that's happening at Islandwood. And uh, we will be posting resources and I hope that our listeners reach out to you because I cannot imagine um, a greater learning partner than uh, Islandwood and the work that's happening there. So thank you so much for sharing your story with us. Oh, thank you so much. I'm so honored and uh, I look forward to hosting you on our campus sometime soon. I am so coming to visit you. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us for Learning Unboxed, a conversation about teaching, 
learning, and the future of work. I want to thank my guests and encourage you all to be part of the conversation. Meet me on social media at Annalise Corbin and join me next time as we stand up, step back, and lean in to reimagine education.